come in. Come into this place which we make holy by our presence. Come in with all your vulnerabilities and strengths, fears and anxieties, loves and hopes. For here you need not hide, nor pretend, nor be anything other than who you are and who you are called to be. Come into this place where we can touch and be touched, heal and be healed, forgive and be forgiven. Come into this place where the ordinary is sanctified the human is celebrated. The compassionate is expected. Come into this place. Together, we make this a holy place. So good morning, everybody, and welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, created by all who are here this day and all who join us in listening to podcasts of this service, and all who join in the other activities we organise during the week. It's cold outside, despite that sun. And it's cold not just because Siberian winds are excitedly blowing from the east, bringing us icy weather. It's cold outside because too many people's lives are facing economic uncertainty. It's cold outside because our political systems tend to divide people up rather than joining them together. And it's cold outside because people often feel excluded rather than included in life. So, all the more reason to open the doors, welcome people in and remind us that all are welcome here. So let's take a moment to feel what such a welcome might mean for us this morning. That, that we are welcome here with whatever we bring and no need to be anything other than ourselves. And our chalice flame, this lovely gift that I've received this morning, thank you for your kindness, this simple chalice flame connecting us with Unitarian Universalist communities reminds us with its one flame that we are one people, part of the interdependent web of all existence. May one love keep us all warm this day. Okay, for this, for this story to work, this is the story of the young servant who was too generous. And I just need to check, have we got a chicken in the room? Is there a chicken there? I think there's a chicken. Excellent, thank you, Zeke. And do we know the sound a horse makes? Yeah. <laughs> and any, any good at goat impressions, anybody? This is the, tr meh, that'll do, great, okay. There was a young servant. He was a lovely boy. He worked for a kindly master. He was very happy. Sadly, one day, his rich master died, but he left that boy 
a very fine horse in his will, a white horse with a beautiful silver saddle. And the boy set off on that horse going <laughs> to start a new life. He also had a letter from his master telling the boy that he was a kindly lad, but that he must be aware of being too generous in life. So off he went on his fine new horse that went <laughs> and everybody was looking at him and then a crafty trader spotted him and thought aha I can pull a fast one here so the trader went up to the boy and told this story of how he'd come over the hillside with his goat going <laughs> the goat that gave so much milk but that nobody could afford to buy it from him and he needed to get back to his wife and children over the other side of the hill. And what was he to do? Could he possibly swap the goat meh, for the horse, the fine horse? Meh. And the boy, who was so generous in his heart, said, well, if I can help you in any way, I'll do that. Even though the bloke was frankly pulling a fast one on him. And off the trader rode on the fine white horse with the silver saddle. <laughs> and the boy was left with the goat that did give plenty of milk. And off they went together, the boy and the goat. And they came across a poor, poor woman with ten children and they were starving. They had so little to eat. And the woman said to him, do you know, we are so hungry. We've only got this one chicken and this one chicken <laughs> lays one egg a day and we have to share the egg between us. And the boy said, well, look, if I give you my goat in exchange for the chicken, then you'll have plenty of milk to drink. That will be much better. And so it was that he gave the goat <coughs> away for the chicken. <coughs> and they set off on a journey together. But soon he came across a terrible sight, a burned out farmhouse with a man and a woman sobbing over their lost possessions. They had nothing. And that generous boy's heart was almost broken at this sight. And do you know what he did? He gave them the chicken. And the farmer said, but we have nothing to give you in return. And he said, no, don't worry. And he looked down at the ground and amidst all the burnt ruins, he saw a nail and he picked up the nail and went on his way. Now, even he, this generous boy, at this point was starting to feel a bit foolish because he'd managed to lose a fine horse with a silver saddle and now he only had a nail. But as he walked along the road, he espied something odd in ahead of him. Do you know, it was a horse standing on just three legs and a very fed up man beside the horse. And the man explained that he was a messenger for the king. He had vital news to get to the king, but the horse had gone lame because it had lost its shoe. And what was he to do? There was a risk of invasion and he needed to get that message. Oh, I'm so sorry, said the boy. Do you know, earlier this morning, I had a very fine horse and I would have given it to you. All I've got now is this nail. 
well the messenger's eyes lit up because do you know what all he needed to fix the horseshoe was a nail and so it happened that the nail helped the horseshoe to join onto the horse again and off they rode they saved the kingdom and when the king heard this marvelous news that a boy with a nail had saved the day do you know what he gave him all the riches he could wish for and he lived happily ever after except do you know what people used to say of him he's still far too generous mm -mm. and that's the story of the boy who was too generous and i think our youngsters are perhaps going downstairs now and we will see you later <coughs> and i invite you to to join in this time of prayer and reflection Eternal spirit of life and love, we come once again to be reminded of the reality of your presence in our lives. In our busyness, we seek your stillness and your peace. Your presence and grace in this place made holy by our presence here together. On this day of cold winds, let us be conscious of your warmth and light, comforter of our troubled times. May the promise of your peace remind us that all is yet well, despite the burdens we may bear and the anxieties that are yet to pass. May our weakness and our failings find forgiveness. And as we find peace, may we also find the strength to dismiss the failings that we are so quick to judge in others. May the kindness of your spirit help us appreciate the gift of life we've been granted and guide us in ways of greater kindness, both to ourselves and others. Let the question, how might I be more kind and more loving, stay with each of us this day? And help us now, in a few moments of stillness and in the hours ahead, to find a way for our love to flow towards those who are most in need. The fractured places of our people and our world. And may the warmth of our intent 
join with the strength of the spirit of love this day and all days. Amen. Some came here looking for solace. Some came here and gave it to them. Some came here seeking music. Some came here and gave it joyfully. Some came here seeking laughter. Some came here and created it. Some came here seeking learning growth. Some came here and provided it. Some came here looking for a sense of security, a safe haven. Some came here and provided it. Some came here seeking an escape from hectic lives. Some came here and enabled them to have it. Some came here seeking the joy of community. Some came here and created that. Some came here wanting to serve. Some came here and made it possible for them. Uh, and as chair of our Kensington Unitarian Congregation, I'd like to thank you all for all you do to cult cultivate kindness in community here at Essex Church. I'm someone that notices kindness. It matters to me. Some of you know that I found this place when I was in need, when life felt very bleak and I'd lost my way. It made a difference to my life to be able to tell people here what was going on for me. I hope that in return over the years I've managed to be a good listener for others also. Kindness requires caring. Kindness tells people that they matter. Kindness helps to create what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and others have called the beloved community. And I can't help but think that our world would, could do with many beloved communities, as many as possible. So let's keep our doors and our arms and our minds open to welcome the others who are looking for a place of kindness and connection in which they too can belong. Thank you.
I invite you to share now in a time of meditation, this um, short spoken meditation will then lead into a good few minutes of shared stillness together and that will come to an end uh, with a chime from our bowl. I'm using words adapted from the Buddhist metta prayer, loving kindness prayer, a prayer that always starts with the self and then ripples outwards. So just settle yourselves as best you can now, maybe put down anything you don't need to hold on to, whatever works for you, feeling your feet on the floor perhaps, or softening your gaze. May this first element of the prayer be for the self. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be whole. For the community. May we be filled with loving kindness. May we be well. May be, we be filled with loving kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. May we be whole. And for those we find difficult, may they be filled with loving kindness. May they be well. May they be filled with loving kindness. May they be well. May they be peaceful and at ease. May they be whole.
today's, um, today's address has got a really simple message. Here it is. Let's be kind to one another. That's it. <laughs> well, let's be kind to one another and let's work to cultivate kindness in communities in our Kensington Unitarians community here in London and in all the other communities to which we belong. You could, might list them in your head, your neighbourhoods, your friendships, your families, schools and universities, GPs waiting rooms, hospitals, clubs, shops, on the streets, Buses and tubes, workplaces, sports centres, parks, and anywhere else that human beings gather together. Because kindness clearly makes life a little bit better for everyone. So that's today's message, and then it's got a little warning on it added later to say, don't overdo it. <laughs> So I really hope that somebody has been kind to you this week and that you've had the chance to be kind to somebody else. It doesn't have to be a big thing, does it? Kindness can be as simple as a door being held open for us, a seat offered on a bus, a phone call made, a smile as we pass someone in the street. And after today's service, we're holding one of our monthly Sunday conversations about this month's ministry theme of love and kindness, and that we chance to share some simple examples of kindnesses that have been shown to us. Roy Clark, our congregation's chair, mentioned earlier on some of the ways people show kindness in our community, and he used that term, beloved community. This term has a long and distinguished history, and um, I'm grateful to Cal Courtney. I don't know if many of you remember him now. A one-time Unitarian minister here in London who wrote a book called Towards Beloved Community. And in there, I've, I've read about um, the American philosopher Josiah Royce from the late 19th century. Royce identified one of the problems of his age, and indeed, surely we recognise it as our age too, but one of the problems he identified was having too great an emphasis on individualism, and he was speaking specifically about ethics, but it can expand out to all areas of life. Um, and he wrote extensively of the need to balance individualism with the needs of community. Cal wrote that Royce was one of the first people to use the term beloved community, describe the form of human society that seeks to honour both individual identity and its collective context. Putting it simply, we, we can't exist in isolation from others. The term beloved community was um, brought further to life by the powerful oratory of Martin Luther King Jr. who saw it as an expression of a world community which celebrated differences and embraced all people. The possibility of creating God's kingdom here on earth. And Father Henri Nguyen, Dutch Catholic priest and theologian, urged us all to create communities where people could know themselves to be loved and accepted just as they were. Now such communities do not exist just for their own benefits. 
kind communities, beloved communities, have open doors and open arms to welcome others in. They are outwardly focused, reaching out, welcoming in. That might sound a bit obvious, but it needs regular restating in order to counterbalance our human tendency to build barriers, to draw up the drawbridge in order to give ourselves an illusion of safety. But do you know what? We're never going to be safe as long as we're alive because life is fraught and dangerous and we never know what's going to happen next. How much better, though, to face life's uncertainties in good company with others? And we need kind communities to resist prevailing trends in our society. Being part of a kind community resists personal fragmentation. It counterbalances our individualism and it helps realign our vision away from capitalism's self-centred materialism to a wider vision focused on the greater good of all. Now, kindness in community does not mean we're all nicey-nicey all the time. And it doesn't mean that we fall over one another in our attempts to rescue one another. I can have a bit of a tendency to overdo that myself sometimes, so I always keep in mind a character from the TV sitcom Father Ted, based around three Catholic priests living on Craggy Island off the west coast of Era, and their over-helpful, over-kind housekeeper, Mrs Doyle. If you have not met Mrs Doyle, we'll find her on YouTube for you later. And you'll be pleased to know that I've spent my week listening to her and trying to get the accent and the message you just right for you. So Mrs Doyle, some of you will recall, wants everybody to have a cup of tea and she will continue to push it upon you however much you protest. Ah, go on, she says. Will you have a cup of tea? It's nice and hot. Ah, go on. Just a drop. And what about a slice of cake or a sandwich to go in it? Look, they're in triangles. <laughs> now, the world does not need more Mrs Doyle's, however much she makes us laugh. She's serving her own needs to be useful rather than other people's genuine needs for hot beverages and slices of cake. So we'd all do well to keep an eye on our own inner Mrs Doyle, our own unconscious motivations in life, and that bit of us that really thinks we know what other people ought to be doing. Because, of course, the more conscious we can be of what is driving our own behaviours, the more alert we can be in relationship with others. So what com kind communities require of us is honesty. Because by acknowledging our own weaknesses, our own vulnerabilities, our own mistakes, the fractures in our own sense of self, our imperfections, we're making space for other people to do the same. This is what it is to be human. We're reassuring one another. This is what it is to be human. And we are loved and accepted as we are, not as we think we ought to be. Now, I've always um, treasured the imagery that Jesus uses when he asks people, why are they so busy commenting on the speck of dust in someone else's eye whilst there's a great big plank sticking out of their own eye? Now, that's a carpenter's son talking, isn't it? 
And I'm very grateful to the religious education teacher in primary school who encouraged us all that afternoon to illustrate this image as graphically as possible. And, and I'm grateful to my friend who drew a large tree trunk coming out of someone's eye. It means I'll never forget that particular image. Kindness requires honesty. It doesn't mean that we ignore bad behaviour or ignore our own needs. On the contrary, it's a sign for me of a healthy community when people speak up sooner rather than later if something doesn't feel right. If someone says or does things that we don't like or that we don't understand, let's speak about it. Because kindness doesn't mean sweeping discomfort underneath the proverbial carpet. It does mean being curious rather than blaming. It does mean cutting the other person some slack and reining back our reactive tendencies. Our quickness to judge is a throwback to ancient, even reptilian times. An instantaneous sense of threat may have saved a dinosaur's life. But you know what? We are no longer dinosaurs. We are beautiful, complex beings, both fragile and strong. And it's one of life's many pleasures to get to know one another better. Cultivating kind communities helps us connect. And connection is what beloved communities are all about. So, in the months ahead, let's explore what we Kensington Unitarians can do to help people connect. Amen. Rabbi uh, Nachman of Breslov wrote, let the good in me connect with the good in others until all the world is transformed through the compelling power of love. In the week ahead, may our goodness and our kindness and our love connect with the goodness and kindness and love in all those we meet and may the world be warmer and brighter because we exist. Amen. Go well and blessed be.